The scripture reading today is Acts chapter 10, and that's on page 1088 in the Pew Bibles. But the reality of Acts chapter 10 is it's a long chapter and just one story. And so I'm going to preach this story for you, and we'll go through the story probably about twice through the sermon, but I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. And I really encourage you to read the whole chapter sometime today even, to to sit with it a little bit longer than the sermon will take. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for stories that your people recorded for us and for our sakes, for the sake of people all around the world who are trying to follow you. We thank you for this story in Acts 10, for the details it provides and for the way that it knits together this relationship and these people We pray that you would open this story to us this morning, that we would have ears to hear you speaking to us through it. And we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are some questions that I have. Questions like, who needs to and who gets to hear about Jesus? Who should we want to share the news of Jesus with? And who does God want to hear this story? These are just some of the questions that we'll be exploring today through this passage. And I think that these are questions that the book of Acts has been picking at for us for some time now. So far in Acts, we've seen how the witnesses of Jesus' resurrection shared this good news of the transformation of people's lives of the blind receiving sight, the sick made well, the poor cared for with all of their resources. There's this really beautiful vision of what faith in Jesus produces in this community of Jesus' followers and how God has used even scatterings and persecutions to reach people in Samaria, a land not too far away and not too different from Jerusalem but different enough that those people should be hated. And to transform the heart of Saul that we heard about last week, Saul, the church's chief accuser and persecutor. But we have to have the question, as they must have, how far will this message go? Who gets to hear this story? Who is God interested in having as part of his new movement? Does everybody need to know? Or are some people all right being left out? Are there people that maybe even God doesn't want to allow the opportunity to come in at all? As I mentioned, today's scripture is Acts 10. And Acts 10 is this story of Peter, the disciple of Jesus, and Cornelius. Cornelius, a devout man whose family feared God who gave generously to those in need and prayed regularly to God. And one day, Cornelius has a vision of an angel who tells him to go and send some of his men to find Peter and to invite Peter over and hear what Peter has to say. And it turns out what Peter has to say is the story that Peter has been telling all along the story that Peter has been telling since Acts chapter 2, since the Holy Spirit came upon him at Pentecost. 
Peter shares that Jesus was sent by God and that Jesus is Lord of all, that Jesus ushered in a new way of relating to God and to each other, and that although he was crucified, he was raised, that though he ascended, he will return, and though he seems really quite new, that really all the prophets testified about him, and that whoever believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, Cornelius was a God-fearing man. His men say he's righteous. He cares about justice, and he behaves justly. He does his best, and he takes God seriously. He's generous, and he's kind. He really is what we might call a good person. And he needs to hear about Jesus Christ. He's not exempt from needing Jesus because he's good. He's not exempt from needing to hear about Jesus because he takes religion seriously. Cornelius, this righteous and God-fearing man, needed Jesus just as much as every person in this room needs Jesus. Just as much as every person beyond those doors walking down Spadina this morning needs Jesus. As much as the people in our offices through the week and all the communities we're connected to need Jesus. We all have a friend, don't we, who cares about justice and hasn't heard about Jesus. I have friends like that. You must have friends like that too. We all have a friend who cares about religion and hasn't heard how Jesus fulfilled all that religion for them, don't we? Who are these people in your lives right now? I actually want you to think about it. I want you to name some of these people in your head. Maybe write them down. Maybe take one of those prayer cards out and write your name and their name on a prayer card so we can pray for them and we can pray for your relationship with them. Because we all have these people in our lives who are incredibly good people, who maybe are even role models for us about how we should live out our lives, but they haven't heard about Jesus Christ. They haven't heard about how Jesus died and was raised and of the forgiveness that is offered in his name, and they need to hear about that. There is no good enough apart from Jesus. There is no being just enough or justified enough apart from Jesus. There are people who are not far from the kingdom, who have been gripped by God's heart for justice, his love for this city and for the world who have such compassion on other people, who desire so much more for all of creation than just this broken thing that we've inherited and which we continue to contribute to ourselves. These people are not far from the kingdom of God, but they need someone who will welcome them in. They need Jesus' invitation into life and into community. Good people need to know about Jesus. As the Apostle Paul writes, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to share? We have been called to share this good news of Jesus with good people who we know, real people who are so ready to hear some good news amidst all the bad news they're all too aware of, for some good news to come by 
but they need to hear it. We need to tell them. We need to stop making excuses on their behalf. We need to stop telling ourselves that they're good enough and they're religious enough. And we need to stop making excuses for ourselves. Telling ourselves that maybe we're not a good enough Christian to tell someone else about Jesus. Or maybe convincing ourselves that we can bring others to faith without mentioning Jesus' name ever. Just by being good like they are already. The reality is, we need to be witnesses to the good news that we have seen and heard ourselves for the sake of all those who need to hear so that they too can believe. But I said we'll go through this story twice. And that's sort of the Cornelius end of the story. Cornelius isn't the only person who had a vision in this story. After Cornelius has his vision and he sends his men to go and find Peter, Peter's praying, and Peter gets hungry, and Peter has a vision. And in Peter's vision, the text says he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down on the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. But the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Then, while Peter was still contemplating this vision and what it could mean, Cornelius' men arrive, and the Spirit helps him out. The Spirit tells him what the vision's about and says, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Why might he hesitate to go? Well, they're Gentiles inviting him into a Gentile's home, so that's a big no-no from the law's point of view. But they're also Roman soldiers coming to him, not the most welcoming entourage for a Jewish male in Palestine. Not the most welcoming entourage for a Christian at the heart of this new movement that is already being so persecuted in Jerusalem. Have the Romans joined in this persecution effort as well? But he goes because God told him to go, and others go with him, it says. Probably just out of curiosity, I suspect. And when he meets with Cornelius, he's almost certainly shocked at how good this person was. How devout he was. And Peter says to him, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter is able to piece together all these things. He's able to piece together his vision and what the Holy Spirit told him, and put that together with the law that had told him his whole life not to associate with Gentiles. And this reality of this Gentile man who took his relationship with God and his concern for justice so seriously. And Peter gets it, that even people he doesn't expect are welcome into God's kingdom, should be invited into this kingdom, this new order of God's rule and God's reign on earth. And so he invites them in by sharing the good news he has seen and he has heard about Jesus. 
And when they hear that message, those gathered in Cornelius' house, they believe it, and the story says the Holy Spirit came on all who heard that message. And then it keeps saying the Jewish believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Peter pieced it together, and so he welcomed them into this new community of the church. But these believers who came with him, they're astonished that Gentiles actually made it in. Sure, it's one thing to tell them about it. It's one thing to let them know about Jesus. It's quite another thing to see them transformed by God's Spirit. This is a very different approach to Cornelius than we might have had at first reading the story. We read about Cornelius and we might think, why does such a godly man need to hear about Jesus? Isn't he all right without Jesus? Doesn't he understand enough already? But the approach of these people is the opposite. Why should this man, a man like Cornelius, get to know Jesus? Why should Cornelius receive God's Holy Spirit? Cornelius may have been a God-fearing man, may have been respected by the whole Jewish nation, but he was still a Gentile. And worse than a Gentile, he was still a Roman, occupying a nation of Israel in a city called Caesarea, named after the Roman emperor. And not just any Roman either, he was a Roman soldier in command of other Roman soldiers. This was not the person you expected to be welcomed into Jesus' kingdom. He was powerful in the world's power. And while he sought righteousness, surely atrocities had been committed under his authority or on his watch. Occupation is an ugly business, and that was the business that Cornelius found himself in. Yet he doesn't just hear the message of Jesus he receives God's Holy Spirit. The most unquestionable mark of inclusion in this new community is given to him, and those gathered are appropriately astonished. I think we would be astonished too. Just as there are people we are prepared to assume are fine without Jesus, I think there are also people who we are a-okay if they never meet Jesus at all who we think are quite happy without Jesus, and we would like to happily assume they are incapable of ever accepting him. But what if I told you that people who voted for and maybe even still support President Donald Trump have received the Holy Spirit? What if I told you that people who don't support the oil sands in Alberta have received the Holy Spirit? What if I told you that people who think our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is doing an exemplary job are welcome in the kingdom, receiving the Holy Spirit? That there are people in all of these groups who are following Jesus earnestly and zealously, and who we may disagree with, who some of us may have the most difficult time wrapping our minds around how they could possibly be welcome. But God has invited them in, they're welcome. They've been invited. God has received these people as his own. Jesus tells this parable in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 21, Jesus asks some religious people. Maybe Jesus asks us. And Jesus says, what do you think? 
there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? Church, which of the two did what the father wanted? Man, this is tough. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first son or the second son? The first son, right? That's, that's what they said. The first they answered. And you sort of answer. Maybe I'll read the parable again another time. The first they answered, right? He does what the father wanted. He answered wrong, but he did the right thing. And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. These religious people had seen and heard about Jesus, about what God was doing in the world, and they didn't care. It didn't change their behavior at all. They couldn't be bothered with it. But Jesus says these tax collectors, these people who've spent their lives stealing from the poor to line their own pockets, taking more tax than they were required to take because they could and they had the power of the emperor behind them, they hear Jesus' good news and they give back more money than they ever took. They're changed. They understand and they receive the kingdom. They're entering it now and you haven't, he says. Jesus says those prostitutes you look down on whose self-worth has been so devalued that they are the least in your society and earn their livelihood by indulging your sinfulness. They are finding new worth in me and in my Father's kingdom. They're spending your sinful money on perfume to anoint my head and my feet. They understand this new way of doing things. They're entering this kingdom even now. Why aren't you? Church, people who we find morally repulsive, who have done unconscionable things, who have sinned gravely themselves or participated in the sins of others, Roman centurions in charge of occupations of land, and people who we hold responsible for the societal ills in our country today, even these people are receiving God's Holy Spirit and are entering the kingdom, maybe are entering the kingdom before you and me. Maybe they understand the vast and powerful change that Jesus is offering to the world better than we ever have or we ever can because we've had the right answers all along but we haven't been so keen to do with those answers what Jesus wanted us to do with them. And church, if you were brave, you'd say amen. In its original context, the story of Cornelius is the story of the most unlikely person receiving God's Holy Spirit and becoming a member of the community of faith a brother to Peter and to these other Jewish followers of Jesus. And we need to seriously consider who it is that we want to exclude from this community at Knox, who those unlikely followers of Jesus are, who we may prefer not to see every week, who we are more comfortable thinking of as a stranger rather than as a friend and a sister or brother. 
We must name those people even as we so easily named the people who are good and should hear about Jesus. We must name those people and join with Peter's confession that I now realize how true it is that God does not show any favoritism but accepts from every nation, every race, every culture, every age, every political ideology, every social class, and every life circumstance, those who fear him and do what is right. That even the most unthinkable are to be invited in, to learn to fear God, to do what is right beyond what they've been able to reason for themselves as just. Because I don't know about you, but I don't know too many people who do evil on purpose. People try to do what is right, and they need to be told how. They need to be taught the rightness and the justice of Jesus' way, which they can only do in knowing Jesus. But the beauty of the scripture is that it speaks not only through its original context. It speaks as well into our context. Our context of pluralism and secularism and laissez-faire attitudes about the religious and spiritual beliefs of other people. I believe what I believe, and you can believe what you believe, and as long as we don't intrude on each other's freedoms, then we can leave it at that. We don't need to talk about it. You'll be all right and I'll be all right. It would be easy for us to apply that same mentality to the story of Cornelius, to wonder why he had to hear about Jesus. He was doing fine on his own, pursuing God how he understood him. Why does Peter share the good news of Jesus instead of just saying, you're doing a pretty good job here yourself? He does it because those who we think are good need to be welcomed into the kingdom. Those who are not far from the kingdom need somebody who will welcome them home. Knox Church, there are people in your communities who are not far from the kingdom. What are we doing together and individually to welcome them home? Have you shared your story about Jesus and what he has done in your life? Have you invited them to wrestle with really big questions in Alpha? or to hear Jesus' story in a home church, or in just continued conversations with you, a friend? Have you considered that Jesus may be sending you to people who you think are good enough so that they can know him and join him in pursuing the good of all things? And family, there are people who we find it really hard to get along with, impossible to see what role they could possibly have in our midst, we know have been agents of evil, maybe in our lives and maybe in the life of this city, who we may believe that we are better off without. But that's not true. God's not interested in the boundaries we're so keen to create, the societal, social, racial, political divides that so easily define our culture are to have no place in God's community of the church or to have no bearing in God's kingdom. Who are these unthinkable people, and how are you to serve them? How are you listening for God's Spirit to draw you into sharing the good news of Jesus with them? Who are the people who you would be astonished to see receive that gift of the Holy Spirit? Who are the people God so desires to bring to himself? Friends, may we find the good and righteous Corneliuses in our lives 
to share the news that they've been longing to hear. And also, may we be brave enough to confront the stigma and the uncertainty of sharing the same good news even with our enemies and with our oppressors, with the very problems in our lives and our societies. And may we do these things for the sake of God's kingdom and for his glory now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy God, God that crosses boundaries and barriers, that goes into what is not his own to make it his own, we pray that you would make us brave, that we would be brave enough to talk with friends who are good and who we love but don't know about you. We would cross those boundaries that our societies have set up and be brave enough to risk uncomfortable conversations maybe making a friendship a little bit more uneasy for the sake of these people we love and who we know you love. And may you make us brave in our vision of others, people who we have so defined as not ourselves, who we think have no place in our community and in your kingdom. May we realize the transforming work you can do in their lives as well how they might grasp your kingdom in a way that maybe we never will, but that would be so good to see for the city and for the world. Make us brave to know that tax collectors and prostitutes may enter the kingdom before us, and that is the good news you offer to all. Make us the children of yours who may say we will not, but who find ourselves enacting your will because we know it's good. We know it's good for us and it's good for your world. Make us a brave people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.